Coming up on Stu Does America, the hits never, ever seem to stop coming. In fact, right before we started this taping, another accuser came forward. We'll take a look at the latest in the very despairing tale of woe that is Andrew Cuomo's life. Happy Friday, everyone. Thanks so much for hanging out this week. Don't forget to subscribe to YouTube and podcast channels so you can, of course, spend your entire weekend with me. <laughs> Metaphorically, of course, you don't want to come over to my house. There's still like a few inches of water on the ground from the Texas freeze. Anyway, head to stewdoesamerica.com. Find your favorite way to watch the show for free or listen up, rate and review the podcast. And you could also shell out a little dough. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Cash needs to be exchanged in a capitalist system. Blaze TV is the place to go. BlazeTV.com slash stew. Enter the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. A year ago today, it really seemed like the world was starting to fall apart. Let's take a look back and see how things have changed since the pandemic hit us full force and do the coronaversary. Stu does America. Happy Coronaversary, everybody. Yeah, we've done it. I hope you were able to get your traditional coronavirus tree decorated and everyone in the household is sneezing all over each other under the mistletoe. What a friggin' year it's been. One year ago in March 2020, this was the week where everything seemingly got real, when everything started to shut down. The show that I most remember doing aired exactly one year ago today. We had been talking a lot about the coronavirus, but there was one thing I hadn't fully expressed yet. We've finally done it, America. Good job. We are going viral. Yeah, we did it. We're a successful business. We spent a, a decent amount of time on the coronavirus, COVID-19, the Wuhan virus, and the very dangerous Bieber fever over the past few weeks. And we've mainly taken it from a few different perspectives, uh, myth-busting some of the misinformation going around, how the virus affects the election and the politics surrounding it, the way the media has covered everything, and the effects on the economy. But there's something I want to spend a couple of minutes on tonight. If you watch this stupid show, you probably know that I'm not a guy who freaks out very easily. I don't panic about the latest media hype. The main thing I'm known for is being the guy who finishes every last drop of queso at the Mexican restaurant, even when there's a big, large group and that's noticing that I'm taking tiny fragments of chips and scraping them against the dried cheese on the side of the bowl. And yes, I mean the outside of the bowl. I attack the outside with dried chips and queso, even when my wife is glaring at me. And that's not how you get this physique. It's not that you, you got to work. Got to do it like a thousand times in a row to get this physique. But my diet book is coming out soon. You can read about it there. Slightly behind that reputation, it's my lot in life to try and step out of the hype wave and look at the issues of the day with data and a little intellectual sobriety, even if not with literal sobriety, because sometimes there's no better breakfast than frosted mini wheats and a side of Woodford Reserve. Fight me. I mean, I know I'm right on this one. So I don't say this lightly. I have never seen anything like this in my entire life. This coronavirus saga is the single craziest thing I have ever experienced. And I lived through the Y2K crisis. I mean, I was around for it. I think you can look at the science and the data and make a good case that, you know, there is a lot of hype at times around this stuff. If you live up north, it sort of feels like the mega giant snowstorm that's always threatened and then never comes. I, you know, I, I want to get back to that in a second because there's a reason why it feels that way. But the other way to look at it is to judge the seriousness by the way people are acting. Whether this hits America as harshly as some believe or not, the actions being taken to mitigate it 
are what make this so unprecedented. This is bonkers. First, China started acting just crazy, right? It just felt like they were acting crazy. They closed off a city of 11 million people and then entire regions. They're like welding people inside of apartment buildings. But, you know, it's China. Uh, You know, they do crazy stuff like that all the time. Then it wasn't just China. I remember just a few weeks ago when Glenn mentioned uh, off the air that our cruise through history might be postponed because of all this. And and it just seemed hard to believe. I mean, thousands of you spent thousands of dollars to take a once in a lifetime vacation for some reason with us. It's a terrible decision on your part. But now it seems completely obvious to move the dates, right? They canceled South by Southwest. If you don't currently have your hair up in a man bun, that might not seem like a big deal to you. But I mean, this is the biggest tech, music and arts festival in the United States. The economic impact is estimated at over $350 million. People don't just cancel events like that. And every day there's another story that would have seemed impossible a week before. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but Italy is basically closed. It's a country. They just closed the thing. It's basically a nation of Bennigan's restaurants. One day you show up and you're downing Monte Cristo sandwiches. The next day you're trying to figure out what to do with the closet full of green polo shirts and aprons. And it's not just Italy. India has essentially self-quarantined as a nation. All of the NCAA conference tournaments have been canceled. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe it's just me. Seems like a bunch of sweaty dudes running into each other might be a bit of a hazard. It's already been announced that all of Power Five conferences have canceled their conference tournaments. And now the big one, the big one, the NCAA tournament, it's canceled. I also went to a Dallas Mavericks game just the other day. It was uh, this past Sunday. First, you, you can't go. The first thing you need to know, you can't go three minutes and 14 seconds at the end of a game without scoring and expect to win. That doesn't happen. Okay, but the game was packed. No real difference than any other game I've been to. Now, the entire season is suspended for every team until further notice. I mean, if you don't think that was surprising, watch Mark Cuban learn about it on his phone. And that's where the hiatus will start. You could see right here the reaction from Mark Cuban (laughs) when he got the news looking at his phone. And then he went and started to discuss it with members of the Mavericks organization on their bench. Why did this happen? One player on Oklahoma City tested positive for coronavirus. The team found out when all the fans were at the game and it was about to start. They, the players just walked off the court, and the PA announcer was left to tell the fans. And fans, due to unforeseen circumstances, the game tonight has been postponed. You are all safe. And take your time in leaving the arena tonight and do so in an orderly fashion. Thank you for coming out tonight. We are all safe. And you can visit OKCThunder.com for updates on upcoming. I mean, can you imagine being, you're all safe. Don't worry about it. No big deal. Just, 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 just leave. I know you paid for tickets and you're here. Go home. Don't worry. I'm sure they'll cover the parking for you. The player that tested positive, Rudy Gobert, was mocking the whole situation just a few days before by putting his hands all over reporters' microphones to jokingly spread germs and also literally spread germs. Oops, uh, probably not the best joke. Now his teammate, Donovan Mitchell, has tested positive as well. Hearing about the positive test, the NHL suspended its season indefinitely. And Major League Baseball has pretty much followed suit. They've delayed the, they've delayed, uh, the beginning of the season and canceled spring training. The Boston Marathon 
has been canceled. I could go on and on and on. The U.S. Capitol, Senate and House office buildings are closed along with the White House and the Supreme Court. Coachella is postponed. The Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards delayed. Jerry Seinfeld canceled his performances. All Broadway shows are canceled. What is going on? Brings you back, man. That brings you back to a really weird moment in our history. Uh, look, there are a lot of things that have been said over about COVID over the past year, uh, but I fully stand by the sentiment. This is the single craziest thing I've ever experienced. One thing I have tried to do over the past year is to honestly look at this stuff and give you my honest take instead of just shoveling red meat at your face. It's why our audience is better than other audiences. Mm -hmm. You're just better people, superior in every way. Also, I've scared everybody else off. But there's always been a temptation to make this about politics, even back before people were dying. Is this just an out of control hype train? One thing I've heard from many on the right is that this is all being ginned up to hurt the president. And honestly, living through the past few years, that is an understandable instinct. Yes, the media is going to use this crisis to injure Trump. That is going to happen. It will continue to happen. But this is just not that simple. Italy doesn't shut down Italy to hurt Donald Trump. India doesn't shut down India to hurt Donald Trump. India loves Trump more than Melania does. Beyond that, Trump himself is banning most travel between here and Europe. After consulting with our top government health professionals, I have decided to take several strong but necessary actions to protect the health and well-being of all Americans. To keep new cases from entering our shores, we will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. All right. The I new mean, point is... Trump is assigning massive resources to this. He's put his VP in charge. He's doing Oval Office addresses, banning travel. This administration knows this is a big deal. He's not hyping this issue to hurt his own presidency. None of this changes anything else we've talked about over the past couple of weeks. I mean, you're still probably not going to die from coronavirus, but you'll probably get it eventually. The case fatality rate probably won't wind up anywhere near 3.4%. It'll be much lower. But it's very contagious, and if we don't have a vaccine or any treatments for it yet, this doesn't end with all of us praying that things could be as calm and sensible as The Walking Dead. But it's not going to be pretty. If you look at China, you can make a kind of optimistic case, considering there's 1.3 billion people there, many living in very densely populated environments. 80,000 cases doesn't seem that bad. But this is the problem. The scientists do believe that we can mitigate the worst circumstances in the United States. Some countries have done it. However, the places that are having success at stopping the spread are finding that success only after they implement the craziest stuff, restrictions that members of a free society are not used to. To many people, it feels like these mass cancellations, closing colleges and banning travel are so extreme because the numbers don't add up. It feels premature. However, this has been the only successful way of stopping the spread so far. Let me give you a quick picture of where we are and where we're heading. This is a chart of coronavirus cases outside of China. For those of you listening on audio, it's basically Al Gore's dream chart. I mean, it's even more impressive than a heavily manipulated hockey stick. When you break it down country by country, you see massive spikes with South Korea, Italy and Iran. Now, speaking of Iran, uh, there are new satellite pictures that seem... <laughs> 
seem to indicate massive graves being created for victims. That's uh, not a uh, never a good thing in Iran. You can see them from space, which means either they're really big or you have a great zoom lens on your camera. So back to the corona cases outside of uh, China. If you zoom in a little bit more, you get more hockey sticks, this time including the good old U.S. of A., kind of in the middle of the pack there. Uh, We're still relatively early on this really awful roller coaster that goes straight up. And if China's experience is any indication, something very weird is about to happen, and you should prepare yourself for it. And of course, by prepare yourself for it, I meant buy all of the toilet paper in the universe immediately. And while we're in Chartland, it's a bit tough to remember what this all felt like at the time of this monologue, March 12th, 2020, one year ago. Several days after this, a poll from YouGov asked how many people do you think are going to die from COVID in the United States? 87% of people said there would be less than 10,000 total. More than half thought it would be less than 1,000. Here's the chart of U.S. COVID cases since the beginning of the pandemic. I've highlighted helpfully March 12th for you. The graph is still on the floor, man. The skyrocketing chart in the monologue doesn't even show up in the full year chart for for COVID. In fact, when we did this show, only 43 people had died of COVID-19. As I said, what a frigging year it's been. Another thing about the past year that you might have noticed is that the media constantly tried to use this crisis as a way to bash Donald Trump over the head again and again and again. So many of these accusations were made by the media and then they just disappear because, you know, the crisis blinded everyone. I want to take you back to a perfect example of this in a second when the media tried so hard to destroy Donald Trump's credibility. And now we can look back and realize that Trump was completely right, and the media was embarrassingly wrong. That's next. What can a good real estate agent do for you? Yes, they can do the paperwork correctly. Yes, they might have a good sense of the market. But, you know, you can get that from a lot of people. You need to have the best on the market. We're talking about people who know the areas, know where the best resale value is, know what things maybe you should improve on your house before you put it on the market. Uh, They also know, uh, they know the best way to get those improvements done. They know the best handyman. They know the best plumber. They they can get them there for you. These people are people who continually outperform other real estate agents. They get the best prices for those who are buying. They get the best prices for those who are selling. That's the, those, that's the group of people who are at realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find that agent that, that is going to make, uh, you know, take your deal from a normal real estate transaction to the best one you've ever had. Realestateagentsitrust.com. You can get more information at realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. There's this thing we do as conservatives sometimes. We see the media say something dumb. We criticize it, and then we move on with our lives. No one ever looks back and says, hey, we were right about that all along. Let me give you a perfect example of this from the very early days of COVID-19. This is March 5th, 2020. At the time, only 12 people had died from COVID in the United States. But the media was already trying to use the virus for political reasons. This one, you might remember, uh, from just about a little over a year ago. It's about a president 
you might recall Donald Trump. The coronavirus is coming for you. In fact, it's already here. Oh my gosh. It's coming. It's coming. It's calling from inside the house. What are you going to do? Run. I guess that's all you can do. There's no doubt the coronavirus is legitimately serious and there is real reason to be freaked out about it. Besides the health risks, which are significant, you have the effects to the economy and the possibility of massive travel disruption. Uh, If you're on vacation at Disneyland and you get quarantined inside It's a Small World, you're going to go insane and there's nothing you can do about it. I'm sorry. So let's try to break this down in a calm and sober way. Are you going to get the coronavirus? Yes, of course you are. You probably already have. Coronaviruses are a common cause of mild to moderate upper respiratory illness in humans. That's according to the CDC. What we're talking about today is a previously unknown strain of coronavirus with a super catchy name of COVID-19, which is much better than COVID-18. Let's be honest about it. That's the one you're seeing everyone freak out about in the media. Donald Trump, who is, I don't know if you notice this, occasionally criticized by members of the media. It's true. Is getting headlines like this. Trump has a hunch. <laughs> the hunch. WHO report of 3.4% coronavirus death rate is false. A hunch? Oh, geez. Another Trump conspiracy theory? What is he talking about? Here's the context. Well, I think the 3.4% is really a false number. Now, this is just my hunch. and uh, But based on a lot of conversations with a lot of people that do this, because a lot of people will have this, and it's very mild. Uh, they'll get better very rapidly. They don't even see a doctor. They don't even call a doctor. You never hear about those people. You never do. This clip has driven the media absolutely insane. Here's how it's been translated. Aaron Rupar from Vox, excuse me, called it astoundingly irresponsible. Brian Stelter of CNN wrote, I hesitate to even print the United States president's words here because they're so at odds with what health experts are saying. MSNBC was telling its viewer, singular, The sitting president of the United States told a national television audience not to believe the research from the World Health Organization's experts. Philip Bump of The Washington Post wrote that Trump twice admits that he's simply making up the percentage he's talking about, calling it a hunch and saying that it is his personal assessment. Did he? Did he, Philip? I mean, really? Is that what he just said? Was he making it up? Did he say it was just his personal assessment? Or did he say that his opinion was, quote, based on a lot of conversations with a lot of people that do this? Regardless of whether he was summarizing conversations with the experts around him or if he magically conjured the mortality rate from his Oval Office Ouija board, what Trump's talking about here is absolutely true. No matter what efforts the media partakes in to attempt to make him look insane. The reason this is such a fertile ground to attack the president is, you know, because there's a lot we don't know. Without certainty comes panic. But all of the evidence points to the fact that the mortality rate of COVID-19 is way, way less than 3.4 percent. In Washington state, it is now believed that COVID-19 was being spread for weeks and weeks with potentially thousands of people carrying the virus without knowing it. This is, of course, happening all over the world. Do you think Iran is giving us the real numbers? Part of the issue here is that it's super easy to locate the infected people who are dying. You find them first, you know, that's kind of the way it works. When grandpa winds up in a hospital bed, it's hard to avoid noticing their death. It's weird like that. 
But when a relatively healthy but lovingly overweight 44-year-old has a bit of a cough, is that noticeable? Especially when they have allergies that cause those same symptoms every year right around this time? I mean, is that bad? I mean, I'm asking you seriously because that's me. Am I about to die? Well, yes, but that's more related to the announcement of Wendy's serving breakfast than a coronavirus. Do I have COVID-19? I, I mean, it's possible. Would I be surprised or freaked out if I found out that I did? Probably not, although that would mean a lot more time at home watching Police Academy movies on Netflix. From just over a year ago, to give you some perspective of how the world has changed from that time, the Police Academy movies are no longer even on Netflix. What a tragic year it has been for so many reasons. As the media was hammering Trump for questioning the 3.4% mortality rate, it was obvious to any honest observer that there was absolutely no chance that number was going to hold up. But the media is not exactly jam-packed with honest observers. Normally when you feel a little bit sick, you go to the doctors and they probably test you for the flu, right? Or strep throat. Even when you don't have the exact symptoms, they give you the test anyway, because as they always say, we just want to rule it out. That's because those tests are very available. They over-test. They catch every instance of the flu that walks in the door, and they have a great handle on the total amount of people affected. COVID-19 is way too new for that. We don't have anywhere close to enough tests, even for the people we think are infected. We're supposed to have another million tests by next week, and then what you will see, and mark my words, are exploding numbers of people infected in the United States. It will seem really scary, but it will actually be a good thing. Most of these people already have coronavirus now and just don't know it. We need to understand how this thing is spreading and where it is going. One of the weird reasons this thing is such a big deal is because its symptoms are often so mild. Let me give you an example. If you have 1,000 cases uh, that you've discovered and 34 people die, you get that much talked about 3.4% mortality rate. But the only reason you've caught those thousand cases is because those cases were the ones with severe symptoms. There might be another thousand or 10,000 cases you're missing because the tests aren't common or that people don't even know they have it because they aren't noticing anything out of the ordinary. No symptoms, no worry. Perhaps the, uh, best, the best evidence, and this has been one they've been studying quite a bit, comes from the uh, fancy Diamond Princess cruise ship, a.k.a. the floating petri dish of the sea. Because it was isolated away from the rest of the population, it gives the most pure view of what a real mortality rate might be. On that cruise, 707 people caught COVID-19 and six died. Instead of a 3.4% mortality rate, that gives you about a 0.8% mortality rate, less than a quarter of the reported rate, but still considerably worse than the average flu. But there are plenty of reasons to believe that the 0.8% rate is way too high as well. If you've ever been on a cruise, you might notice that they tend to cater to an older crowd with an abnormal expertise in the sport of shuffleboard. We know, like the flu, older people and those with existing ailments are largely the people falling victim to this sort of thing. And there is a clear correlation between the quality of your shuffleboard skills and catching coronavirus. That's not true, but it feels true. The other thing is, you know, that's likely inflating this mortality rate is the fact that we currently have no treatments at all. The flu mortality rate is 0.1% has been widely reported, but that's in an environment where half the population gets vaccinated and there are four approved medications for the flu that help people recover. This doesn't help us with COVID-19 in the immediate term, 
But within a year or two, the vaccine will almost definitely be available. And before that, we will find treatments that will help lower that rate, too. Back from March 5th, 2020, obviously we did get much better at treating the virus and more and more people survived as we went. I will say, looking back, I'm a little surprised at my public optimism that we produce a vaccine this fast. But, of course, at the time, I was being leaked information from Bill Gates with his magic microchip injections through 5G cell phone towers. So I had, you know, kind of behind the scenes information. At times over the past year, it seemed like the media was rooting for the virus as long as it could damage Donald Trump. They willingly looked past what scientists were saying and gleefully attempted to dunk on the president to have their moment in the sun. That's why we're looking back at this today. I want to be Mr. Burns. I want to be Mr. Burns. (laughs) Yes. I want to be the, the one blocking the sun. I want to block all the journalists' moments in the sun forevermore. On March 5th, 2020, there was plenty we didn't know about the virus. But this is not a situation where we needed to learn more, what we're talking about now. This was known at the time. And we brought the scientific receipts to prove it. You know, all of a sudden, it seems like uh, 3 or 4%, which is a very high number, as opposed to as opposed to a fraction of 1%. But again, they don't, they don't know about the easy cases because the easy cases don't go to the hospital. They don't report to doctors or the hospital in many cases. So I think that that number is very high. I think the number, personally, I would say the number is way under 1%. Mm. As Vice so helpfully pointed out, Trump said the real number was a fraction of 1% without provi- providing any evidence beyond conversations with a lot of people who do this. What other evidence would you like him to provide other than the opinion of the experts that do this? Do you want him performing the scientific research himself? Maybe if instead of saying, I would say the number is way under 1%, he made it sound a little bit more like doctor speak. Maybe that would help. Let me attempt a translation for you. If one assumes that the number of asymptomatic or minimally symptomatic cases is several times as high as the number of reported cases, the case fatality rate may be considerably less than 1%. If he said it that way, would it be okay? By the way, that's not actually my translation of Trump's words, although it would work perfectly that way. It was a quote from the New England Journal of Medicine. You would think that all these journalists that are mocking and bashing Trump would know this information. You'd think that if they were going to say it was so irresponsible, they were almost afraid to type it, that they would, I don't know, maybe have checked to make sure that the medical experts didn't publicly agree. You might even think that if they did have this information and uh, they had it maybe the whole time, and maybe they chose not to include it because they knew their audience would just read the Trump bashing headline and never check their work. While all of those are incredibly plausible options, they're not true. You see, I actually found all this information in my uh, super uh, special confidential hush hush for my eyes only magical top secret information box. Mm -hmm. It's right here. Sometimes I open this box and I find important information that is available only to me. And that's why pundits and journalists and politicians say such uninformed crap all the time. They don't have access to the information that proves them wrong because I only keep it in this box and only I can open it. Let's try peeking inside together. Mm -hmm. Oh, here it is. Now, it's a paper right here. 
Very bright light in the, in the box. It's a paper from the MRC Center for Global Infectious Disease Analysis at Imperial College London. And it says they obtained, quote, estimates of the overall case fatality ratio in all infections, asymptomatic or symptomatic, of approximately 1%. Huh, that is so weird, isn't it? I'm glad I have access to this magical information so I don't make myself look like an idiot, though I often do anyway. Or how about this? Fatality ratios fluctuate based on the uh, response and quality of the healthcare system. Hmm, that's interesting. That might be why South Korea is reporting a fatality rate of 0.57%, or as the president might say, way under 1% bigly. I'm so glad I have this super secret box, because maybe the media can get one sometime too, so they can have this information. The coronavirus thing is scary to people because it deals in the unknown. We don't entirely know what is going to happen. It could be that this thing kills 200 times more people than it has already. And it might do that every single year. Who knows? And if it does, it would equal the regular good old flu. That's not an argument to stop worrying about the coronavirus. That's an argument to start worrying a hell of a lot more about the flu. Infectious disease and virus. I mean, it's one of the only things out there that wipes more people off the planet than communism. So, yes, we should be very worried about it. Yes, we can wash our hands. We can try not to lick our fingers and then touch food again like Michael Bloomberg was doing. But at some level, all of this is going to be in God's hands. What we should be able to control is the anti-Trump bloodlust of supposedly impartial journalists scaring the hell out of people just to get rage clicks. They all knew what Trump was saying. They all knew what the scientific basis was, and they all acted as if they didn't. They wanted to call him an idiot so badly, they made idiots of themselves. At least there's hope for a vaccine that will stop COVID-19 someday. When it comes to crappy journalism, there seems to be no cure. March 5th, 2020. By the way, there is still a range of estimates of what the actual mortality rate for COVID-19 is, but none of them are anywhere close to 3.4%. Where do the scientists end up? A paper from the International Journal of Infectious Diseases says, quote, systematically reviewing the literature and meta-analyzing, the results show an IFR, it's an infection fatality rate, of 0.68%. Not 3.4%, not even close to 3.4%. Now, 0.68% can still make a hell of a mess, as we've all very clearly seen. But Trump was right. The media was wrong. It was well below 1% after all. Make sure to click around some mainstream news sites this weekend. And if you see anyone apologize for their criticism, make sure to let me know. Well, just when you thought we could get through one freaking show without talking about Andrew Cuomo and having 19 more stories breaking, uh, well, you picked the wrong day, I will say, for this, because there's tons of news about Andrew Cuomo today, and we want to make sure we keep you updated. There is a new accuser. I mean, kind of. There's a new accuser. This is, uh, this is uh, Jessica Bakeman. She was, uh, she's a reporter, and she writes a story called Cuomo Never Let Me Forget I Was a Woman. It's tough because we, these things get blended. I really don't like the way that we cover these stories and we say, this is the seventh accuser. I mean, you could make the case this is the seventh accuser. But they've been of varying, uh, the accusations of our varying levels. You know, some of them are, you know, criminal. Some of them are, he made me feel uncomfortable a few times. This one's more of the latter. Uh, she basically says he 
put her, his hands on her often, not in a sexual way. As she says, she never thought that he wanted to have sex with her, uh, but she was made to feel uncomfortable. She, her, her quote is interesting. Cuomo never let me forget I was a woman. I, what she's trying to say a lot of in, in varying ways throughout the article is he would act as if he was in control of her. He would ask her questions that demeaned her, that, that you know, you know, like made fun of her phone case that was purple. Right. Things like that. Some of it, honestly, I don't I don't know that that's a, <laughs> really anything even of note to be putting in an article that you made some fun of someone's phone case. Um, and also Cuomo never let me forget I was a woman. I thought we've been told that gender specificity is like the most important thing in the universe. So, I mean, I'm not defending Andrew Cuomo by any means, uh, but that is the latest accuser. And things are going downhill fast. I want to give you this tweet. This is from Maggie Haberman. She was like the lead White House reporter for The New York Times under Trump. She's one of the best known reporters in the world. You know, when she tweets something, it's a big deal. She tweets this. The thing that keeps getting lost in the Cuomo allegations is that he's accused of breaking two laws he signed. This story relates to one of them about reporting of sexual harassment uh, claims. This is from the Times Union. The other is related to anti-harassment training that he apparently, he said he took, and then people don't believe that he actually took the training. Long story short, he's in big trouble. Uh, There is a impeachment investigation. We told you about this getting started the other day. It has now been approved by uh, the... Uh, New York Assembly that is going forward. You know, you don't know at this point whether it is a threat. Basically, they say, look, if you don't resign, we will impeach you. Or if it's something they're really going to go forward with, no matter what Cuomo does, we'll see here in the coming seemingly the coming minutes. But I guess in the coming weeks Uh, now, we've come to the point where not just local New York politicians are calling for his resignation. We've come now to the point where sort of well-known national figures are doing it. Chairman Jerry Nadler has called for Governor Cuomo's resignation. His statement says, in part, Governor Cuomo is guaranteed due process under law. Although his accusers are credible and the charges against him are serious indeed, the investigations underway by New York State Attorney uh, Tish James as Cuomo calls her, uh, and the Albany police must be permitted to run their course before we reach judgment about his liability for any alleged criminal act. But there is a difference between formal investigations that may end in criminal charges and a question of confidence in our political leadership. The question before us is squarely a political judgment. Governor Cuomo has lost the confidence of the people of New York. Governor Cuomo must resign from Jerry Nadler. Now, again, I ask you, you know, I'm about to do a segment here where I'm going to talk about Jerry Nadler and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and I'm going to say nothing negative about either of them. This may come as a shock to most viewers, and I want to prepare you for it in advance. It's very disturbing, and I want you to know that. Another disturbing thing is if you Google Jerry Nadler's pants. You can do that now if you want to. Jerry Nadler's pants. They're pulled up to like his, I mean, again, it looks like a python is eating him from below. The pants are just all the way up to his chest. It's, it's unbelievable. AOC has come out and has also called for the resignation of Andrew Cuomo. I can't believe I'm saying these words. They said, she said in a statement, a joint statement with Jamal Bowman, a Democrat from New York as well, both congressmen, uh, congresspeople, congresspersons, congress types. 
The fact uh, that this latest report was so recent is alarming. Again, this latest report talking about the groping at the mansion we discussed yesterday. That happened late last year, like 2020. So super recent. Um, The fact that the latest report was so recent is alarming, and it raises concerns about the present safety and well-being of the administration's staff. These allegations have all been consistent and highly detailed, and there have uh, and there are also credible media reports substantiating their accounts. That comes from AOC in a cascade of separate and joint statements. At least 12 members of the House said Mr. Cuomo should leave office following a string of sexual harassment allegations, controversy over his administration uh, and handling of nursing homes. And it was interesting to see both in Nadler's statement and in AOC's statement they both mentioned the nursing homes. It wasn't just about the uh, sexual harassment allegations. And I want to leave you with this. This is from Liz Wolf over at Reason. And it's something we haven't spent that much time on, but it's important that you know. Uh, the March 25th directive, we've talked about it endlessly on this program, that is going that you know put uh, nursing home residents back into these nursing homes, uh, even when they had COVID-19. Thousands likely were killed because of that directive. Um, and that was a big deal. We know that. Cuomo's nursing home directive, though, wasn't the only ill-advised guidance issued. He also issued an April 10th directive that similarly instructed residential homes for adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities to accept asymptomatic COVID-19 patients into congregate living facilities, in some cases without sufficient testing and isolation protocols in place. The memo explicitly specifies that providers of certified residential facilities are prohibited from requiring a hospitalized individual who is determined medically stable to be tested for COVID-19 prior to admission or readmission. And, and medically stable doesn't mean they're not, they don't have COVID anymore or they're not uh, contagious. It just means that they're not like dying in the middle of dying, basically. Um, it also says residents who are, a, uh, or who are symptomatic should only be discharged to a certified residence if there is clinical staff available who are capable of attending to their medical needs of a symptomatic resident. Now, the biggest issue with this, this memo, this directive remains in effect today, meaning this is still theoretically happening in New York as we speak. Not at nursing homes anymore, not at senior living facilities, but at uh, facilities for people who might have uh, all sorts of mental deficiencies and and, and difficulties. Uh, I mean, we've seen this in so many societies going back in history. I don't want to go through all of them, but you don't lower the value of human life. And this has been a situation that Andrew Cuomo has engaged in over and over again and is seemingly still going on. We'll give you more details as they come. If you're a resident of the United States of America, really anywhere, but particularly in New York, it's very important to get life insurance. Now, they have term coverage, which is surprisingly affordable. Why not pay a bit of money each month, just a little bit, to protect the ones you love? We all know this is important. We all know we should have life insurance. We also all know there's a football game on or a basketball game, and I don't really feel like doing it right now. Plus, there's all the shopping around, all the different companies. It's impossible. 
That's why Ladder exists. Ladder makes it impressively fast and easy to get covered. You just need a few minutes and a phone or laptop to apply. Ladder's got all the, the fancy, you know, the nerdy algorithms working. Uh, so you can find out instantly if you're approved. No hidden fees. You can cancel at any time. And since life insurance costs more as you age, now is the time to cross it off your list. Check it out. Uh, check out if Ladder can get you um, something really great. They, they've got great programs and great um, ideas for you, and they can walk you through all of them. Ladderlife.com slash stew. L-A-D-D-E-R life.com slash stew. The slash stew part of the address is important because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Uh, ladderlife.com slash stew. Protect yourself. Protect your family. If God forbid something happens, ladderlife.com slash stew. I need you. I need every American to do their part. And that's not hyperbole. I need you. I need Whoa. you to get vaccinated when it's your turn and when you can find an opportunity. Are you hitting us? And to help your family, your friends, your neighbors get vaccinated as well. Because here's the point. Mm -hmm. If we do all this, okay. what if we do our part, yes. if we do this together, yes. By July the 4th, yes. there's a good chance you, good chance. your families and friends, will be able to get together in your backyard or in your neighborhood and Wait. have a cookout and a barbecue and celebrate Independence Day. Wait, that's it? Like, we do all this and there's a good chance, not a great chance, but a good chance that by July 4th, we're going to be able to meet with people outside and have a barbecue? I mean, does somebody want to tell him? I mean, I mean, I don't want to be the one, but does somebody want to tell them that, like, we've all been kind of doing that already? We've been doing that since, like, last July 4th. I don't, I don't know. Now, I know there are some areas, and I have friends who live in these areas in New York and California who have been really shut down and have really not done anything. But generally speaking, you don't need to be in a red state to have gone outside with friends. Unbelievable. Um, this is a really strange moment. I don't feel like he has any connection to what's actually happening out there. Uh, and a lot of the media is the same way. They all live in these areas that have been locked down in real, real severe ways, and they have no sense as to what the country's like. It's bizarre. Um, here is another clip from Joe Biden's speech last night. In the coming weeks, we will issue further guidance on what you can and cannot do once fully vaccinated. Oh, I can't wait to hear from To you. lessen the confusion, to keep people safe, and encourage more people to get vaccinated. Mm. And finally, fifth, yeah. and maybe most importantly, most importantly, I promise I will do everything in my power. I will not relent until we beat this virus. Okay. But I need you. Okay, so you're sounding The American desperate. people, I need you. Oh my gosh. I need every American to do their part. And that's not hyperbole. I need you. Oh, I need you too, Joe. Yeah, he's a little desperate, I will say. This is not the way to pick up an audience to pick up a country. You know, you want to be a little more subtle, maybe uh, flirt with them a little bit, and then you can pick them up, bring them home. You don't just go up to them and say, I need you. It's just weird. And, and it's, it's honestly an Andrew Cuomo tactic. Back in a second. So if Andrew Cuomo resigns, what would happen to the Andrew Cuomo was awful mug? Does it become a collector's edition? 
does it become president of the United States? We don't know. I can tell you there's more thought going on inside of this mug than our current president uh, typically has. Go to andrewcuomoisawful.com. Andrewcuomoisawful.com. There you can get the Andrew Cuomo is awful mug. You can get the Chris Cuomo is worse mug. And this is a Glenn Beck a suggestion. Don Lemon is worserer.com. Any of them, you can get the fabulous mugs.